Hey, let's open our Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I'm happy to see you all today, I'm glad you're here. We have been looking at this book. What a beautiful book this is, and it's just got so many exciting things uh, to share. And, and kind of, uh, we'll look at a, a section in chapter 2 today, but uh, just reviewing the first part of chapter 2, they kind of talked about motives and why we do what we do. And, and I think there's a lot of lessons for all of us, but also there's, a, there's special leadership lessons that are found here and, uh, you know, why we do what we do, the motives wrong and right and good and bad. Paul was being attacked and his, his character was being attacked. His motives were being attacked. But he says, listen, we, we just came and, you know, we, we didn't change the message. We made our appeal. And he says we didn't do it out of error. We didn't have impure motives. We didn't do it out of deception, which... Again, as, a, as an example of what true leadership should be like, Paul gave us that example. And he says that the, the two reasons why we did what we did found in verse 4. He says this, On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Number one reason he gave here in verse 4 why he was doing what we did, because God entrusted us with this message. He called us. He gave us a a ministry gave us a message, and we need to do what God's called us to do. The second thing found in the second half, he says, we are not trying to please men, but God, who tests our hearts. The second reason he was doing what, why he was doing what he was doing, is just to please God. I just want to please God. I want to do what God wants. What an example for you and especially for me. Why do I do what I do? Each one of us, why do I do? Is it to please God or am I trying to please people? Am I trying to get the attention, the approval or whatever from people? Live to please our, our, our mighty God and, and serve to please him. We can't fake it, you know. That's what he says here. God tests our hearts. He knows what's in our heart. He knows why we're doing what we do. And he'd rather we didn't do it if we did it with some kind of weird deception where we're faking it. We're trying to make people impressed by how, you know, how holy of a servant I am, you know. He'd rather we didn't do it. To obey is better than sacrifice. To, to just give stuff and just to show people how spiritual we are. No, no, no. Just don't even do it. He says, we just want to please him. And God will work on our hearts because God tests our hearts. God knows our hearts already. Today, I want to look, go on from there, though. And my, uh, my thoughts about this are, are like mom and like dad. And, and really, this idea of family. And again, leadership lessons coming out of this. Paul, you know, Paul has a group of letters that, that we call the pastoral epistles. Who can tell me what the pastoral epistles are? Anybody know? First and Second Timothy and Titus, that's correct. Those are what are called the pastoral epistles. But Paul shared all kinds of lessons all throughout his writings, but especially here, I think there's just a whole section here where he's just saying, this is what ministry is about. This is, I want to teach you, this is what you can expect, this is what you should expect from leadership. Now, are we perfect in all this? No, we're not. And, and Paul leaves us an example, and Paul 
you know, he, in his own writings, he says, listen, I wasn't perfect either, but, I, but this is what I, you know, am setting out to do. and This is who I am setting out to be. He, he uses the example of a, of a mother, a mother and a father, a mom and a dad, and I, and I was thinking about that. You know, really, in a family situation, both are ideal, right? It's, it's ideal to have both. That is the ideal, right? You know, mom... She's typically nice, you know, she's typically, you know, kind of loving and emotional. She's typically kind of can, can tune in on those things. And then there's dad. He's typically kind of strict, administers the discipline and mom kind of sets him up for that, though. You know, wait till your dad gets home, you know. And he's kind of like that. He kind of gives the, you know, kind of sets the course. So this is, okay, I understand all that, that touchy-feely stuff, but this is where we're going here. Now, is there a place for both? There certainly is. There's a place for both. And that's why in God's plan, the ideal is for both to be a part of raising children, of, of being there. I understand totally that it's not always possible, and in this fallen world that we're in, things are messed up. I was raised by my, my mother, uh, you know, single-parent family, you know, eight kids, and we were wild because the dad wasn't there to say, you will not be wild. The mom says, You'll, you won't be wild. <laughs> yeah, okay, you know. She, I can remember swinging the belt at me, and... And then I just cried to get her to stop, and then I was faking. Sometimes we have to be both, though. Isn't that true? And in this passage, we see that Paul says he and his team of people, he says they were both caring for the believers. They were just like a mother. They were just like a father, and we did the things that we needed to do. There's a time for everything. Let's read the passage, starting in verse 6. The middle of verse 6, as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and our hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and we pray for each of us that we would hear the lessons you have for us. Make it personal. Make it real. Holy Spirit, uh, speak to our hearts, Lord, through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. He starts off by saying here, and you can see, as I mentioned, both are found here in this, in, in the whole ECU. We'll get to that near the end here. But he says, listen, we as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. We could have been a burden to you. You say, well, how could he have been a burden? Well, as an apostle, he had, he had certain rights he could expect. Um, 
Scripturally, he could expect the apostles to be taken care of, supported financially. There's also this idea of spiritual authority, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the light of things there. The spiritual authority could have, you know, we're, we're a, God has made us an apostle. I need to do what I'm called to do, to be. I am, he says, what I am by the grace of God, he says. But Paul says we could have been a burden, burden you with all these things. But he says we will not be a burden. We will not be a burden to you. He says we could have been, but we weren't. We could have taken advantage of those things, but we didn't. The truth, the sad truth is that some, some not only insist on these things, but then they take advantage of these things. I don't know about you, have you have you've ever been in a situation in a church where this has happened? Can turn into abuse. Paul says, I'm not, that's not what I'm called to do. I'm not called to do those kinds of things. Now, is it right to support those that are in the ministry? Yes. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy, he says, you know, that the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. So it, it's okay, it's, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. But what you find is when, when someone comes along and says, you know, I need such and such or so much of an honorarium before I will come to you and do, that, do this or that. You know, I need a, you know, I need a, a room that's just like this. And don't forget the chocolates on the pillow. And make sure that I have that special food, that I can only eat this special food. Make sure that special food is there. I put my order in for downstairs after the, at the potluck. Don't you, don't you worry about that. Paul says, you know what, I just want to please God. I just want to serve. I just want to be and do what God's called me. I want to, I want to give to you Jesus, and I want to give to you my life. That's what he said. We just read it. He didn't say, you know, I'm, I'm here for the money. I want the money. I want the the perks, I want the prestige, I want the power. That's, that's, not what the, that's not what leadership in the church is supposed to be. That's what leadership in the world is, right? That's what going up the ladder in the world is, and especially you go up the ladder in, in some of the entertainment fields, you know, they, this is what it's all about. The higher you go, the more you get. And how many people, if you watch those things, destroy them? But Jesus said, you know, if you want to be the greatest, be the least. Be the servant of all, he said. Paul was just doing what Jesus said. In fact, for Paul, you know, even though he could have received, you know, support, for him, he said, well, I'm going to do everything I can so I will not receive support. He kind of almost went to the other extreme because it was what he could give from himself. We'll see in this passage how he worked hard to do that. But, but all in all, being a burden, you know, requiring things, Paul said, no way, no way. That's not, what, that's not what it's all about, and that's what I'm not all about. He says in verse 7, he says, but, we could have been, but, no way. He says, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. 
First, let me ask you, how many mothers expect their little babies to pay them? <laughs> how, many, how many expect them to take care of them and salute them and call them by fancy names? How many? None. But secondly, he, he's using this as an example. He says it's like a nurse, like a, a nursing mother, like a mom who would take care, who would care. He said, we were, we were gentle among you. Just like a mother, we, we, we cared and we listened and we helped and we nourished with tenderness and affection. He said, this is what it's all about. This is the example that, that, that Paul was setting here. Is that the whole picture? No, we'll get to the other side in a, in a few minutes. But, but that's, isn't that part of it? And, and, and my whole thing about this passage is it's, kind of, it's got to be a balanced picture. It's not just the one or not just the other. It's, it's like both. It's like all. But he says he was just like a mother caring for her little children. Have you watched mothers take care of their little babies? It's like they get so focused. They, like, they got to take care of that, you know, that little child. They got to do what that little child needs. Have you seen it? Have you watched it? Not that dads don't. But dads like play with them for a little while and say, okay, I got to go back and do my thing now. You know, they got little, little times, of, but then the mom is like, it's nonstop. It's like, I, I'm going to take care of this little child, this helpless little child. Why? He says it in the next verse, in verse 8, he says of love. That's why I love. He says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Why? Because we loved you so much. We loved you so much. Studying when we study about, you know, husbands and wives, the husbands have to be told, husbands, love your wives. The wives are not told, wives, love your husbands. They, they, it's, it's like more natural. So they already know it. I, gotta, I just love. Love comes from the woman. The husbands have to be like, get it together, man. Love. We loved you so much. Pastor Chuck, who set an example for us, you know, for so many, many years, his, his goal was to love them and feed them. Love the flock and feed the flock. That was the, the, he, he gave it as a simple, made it as simple as possible. Love them and feed them. You need to do both. Love them and feed them. Take care of them. Care about them. And feed them. Notice he says there that we, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives. They were, they were delighted. They weren't forced to do it. They weren't under any pressure to do it. Well, i got to take care of that flock again. i got to love those people. I have to do so. i got to be there. I got, no, he says, I, it's because of love. I, I, I want to. I delight to be there. I delight to be there. Now, is that always the case? You're always just delighted? No, it's not always the case. I'm not always, you're not always, I'm not always feeling it, right? Even moms. How many times those of you are mothers, you know, you've been through that. You're not always feeling it like you really love that kid. Sometimes you're like, a kid. But to delight to find that place of delight, to, to just to be a delight. You know, I see it with these people who are serving the kids in the back. They just delight to be with those kids. 
I don't see any of them back there. I just got to take care of those. I got to be in Sunday school. I got to go back and be in youth church. <laughs> no, they said, I, you know, they just love it. I, I love it. I can see it. They don't even say it. I can see it. They just delight it. They love to be there and, and, and love on those kids and, and feed those kids the word of God. It's like incredible. It's amazing. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Just a, just a little, little jump-off point, and there's no extra charge for this point. But I read in Psalm 37 where uh, the psalm says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I was reading, I was thinking about that. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That's an extra little bonus point. You can take that home and read it. Psalm 37. Paul, Paul says, we, we just delighted to, to share with you the gospel and our lives, both. The gospel and our lives, both, because you have become so dear to us. You know, when you really get involved with people, it, they, they mean something. When, when you're involved in family, doesn't family, you know, for all, for all of its faults and problems and troubles, family, but, you know, we, what we get back to in the end is, is family. We love our family. We take care of our family. And he says, you have become so dear to us, just like family. And we wanted to share with you the gospel of God in, in our lives as well. You know, we, we need to share. And, and Paul's example that, you know, he, he said, if I, if I can only say one thing, I'm going to tell you about the cross of Jesus, the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came from heaven. God's son came from heaven. He he took the form of man and he lived a perfect life and he was crucified for my sin, the sin of the whole world because God so loved the world that he gave his son and he was crucified and he paid the price. He was put in the grave, he rose from the dead and, and then later he ascended into heaven, but he's coming back. This is the gospel, this is the good news that we have hope in Jesus Christ because of what he did. Paul said, listen, if I... If I if I love you, I'm going to tell you about that, right? If you love someone, you're going to tell them something important because if you don't have the gospel, you don't have eternal life, you don't have heaven. But he didn't just, you know, he wasn't just an automaton teacher kind of thing. I'm just, going to, I'm just a preaching machine. He says, I, I give you our, my life as well. We gave you our lives because we cared about you. Not because we had to, but because we wanted to, we delighted to. We gave you our lives as well. Again, this is an example. Paul's giving us an example. The, the, the quote-unquote ministry is not supposed to be some kind of separate group, right? The, the clergy. I don't even like that word. Where did they get that? Clergy. I hate it when so you're clergy? I don't even know what clergy is. Okay. I don't want to be included in that word. You know, we have the clergy and then we have the lay people and they don't really, you know, they do their thing and they do their thing and they don't really kind of mix. Well, that's not what he said here. We don't see that at all, right? He says, listen, I'm just... I'm just a person like you, and we shared our lives with you, and you shared our lives, your lives with us. They opened themselves up to people. They were, 
they were really not afraid to get close. Not afraid to get close. Of course, there are some dangers in, in that, aren't there? Some dangers in getting close. What happens when you open yourself up to people? What is the danger? You can get hurt. You can, you can be hurt. But what's the, what's the opposite of that? When you never open yourself up to people and you are afraid to get close to anybody, what's the fruit of that? No love. No sharing of life. Loneliness. It's, it's not good. Pain. We get hurt. Yes, it's, it's painful, but, but it, I, I don't know if there's not more pain never experiencing the love of family, the love of people, the love of, of a relationship. John the Apostle, he said in 1 John 3, he said, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Jesus Christ, he gave his life, didn't he? He, he came and, and opened himself up, and, and certainly he, he was hurt. No question about it. He was rejected by his own people. And then he was put to death. But it didn't stop there, though, did it? The glory that came out of the cross. If it stops there, yeah, it's all just pain. But no, the glory that came out of the cross when Jesus was risen from the dead and, and then gave us all eternal life through trusting in him doesn't end there. But, but what if Jesus had said, you know what, I don't think so. I'm not going to do it, Father. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to go. I don't want to go. Right? He could have said that, right? And maybe they had a discussion. I don't think so, but maybe they did. But you know when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? He said, Father, if there is any other way, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. The cross he was talking about, right? Before the cross, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying. He said, if there's any other way to make this happen, to restore the relationship between God and people, if there's any other way, he said, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless not as my will but as your will. Let your will be done. There was no other way. There was no other way except through the pain of the cross. Opening up his heart and his life to people, to the human race. What an example that is for us. Paul, that's what Paul did. He says, we delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. We got we to take a chance. It's hard. I know it's hard. It's hard for me. I can't, you know, and the truth is you can't be like best friends and, and really close to like everyone, right? It, it, you just don't have enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough of you or me. You know, there's a, a, a handful of people usually. If we have a handful of people that we are close to, we are doing really, really well in this life. But it does take some, some risks. And it's not easy. Because we have been hurt. I have been hurt. 
but, but better to love and, and be, take the chance than not to love at all, I think. Verse 9, surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. He's, he's talking again about not being a burden. He's talking about support. He's talking about that. Again, perhaps he was accused of taking advantage of these people. They were saying, listen, that Paul guy, yeah, he was here, but you don't really want to listen to him anymore because all he did was come and take advantage of you, expect things from you, want things from you. But Paul says, listen, that, you know that wasn't true. You know, you remember I was there, he says. You remember our toil and our hardship. Paul was not afraid to work, by the way. Paul was not af afraid to face hard times. To do what God wanted him to do, to please God, he wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty, to work. Turn, turn to 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3. I want you to see what he says there. We're going to get to that later in the future. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave, the, gave you this rule, if a, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not, they are not busy. They are busy bodies. And such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and, ear, to, and to earn the bread they eat. Paul said, we work night and day in order to not be a burden. And Paul, again, he was wanting to be an example of working hard. Someone said this. He says, while it's true that the gospel preacher is entitled to financial support from other Christians, it's commendable to see him foregoing this right, if necessary, from time to time. He said, a true minister of Christ will continue to preach the gospel, whether he receives money for it or has to work to finance himself. If he's doing it for the money, and the money stops, well, then I'm not going to preach anymore then that kind of gives you a pretty good clue where the heart is, right? You know, if, 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 if we needed to and I needed to go get a job, I would do it. I, I did it for many years when we were beginning the church. I've done, done it for many years in different kinds of ministry, doing whatever I need to do. And I'm not saying this uh, uh, to, to boast or anything, but, but, but that's just a reality. You do what you need to do. I remember hearing, about again, about Pastor Chuck says, you know, in the early days... Uh, that he worked to support his habit. And his habit was serving people and serving God. And he did it. He worked for many years. And I believe today that, that if he needed to, he would go out and work again. I just, knew, I just know that he would. That was Paul's goal, to not be a burden and to bring them the good news. He says it in so many different places in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. And, he's, and let me read you this quote from 2 Corinthians. He says, what I want is not your possessions, but you. I don't want your stuff. I don't want your money. I want, I want you. I want a relationship with you, and I want you to know Jesus Christ and, 
and, and that we would be in the family together. That's what I want, he said. Verse 10, he says, You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his glory and his kingdom and his glory. He says, you are all witnesses. You are witnesses. And so is God of how we lived, how we were among you who believed. A leadership lesson found right there. He says, you, people are watching. You are witnesses. People are watching. And so is God. God is witness as well. God is watching. People are watching, but God is also watching how we live. How we live. Not just when we're at the church, not just when we're teaching a Sunday school lesson or preaching a message or, or, or doing some kind of quote-unquote spiritual service. God is watching. God sees. People around us watch and see as well. You know, if you drove by the bar and you saw me coming out of the bar, what are you going to think? Ooh, I can't wait to get on my email. I can't wait to get on the phone. You know, there, there's a responsibility and accountability of how, how we live, what kind of an example that we set. Now, you know, are we perfect? Are we going to be perfect? No, but these are the goals here. To be holy means to be set apart. By God and for God, to be set apart, to be different, not just like the whole world around us. To be righteous means to be right with God and to be right with others, to be living right. That word right is there for a reason, part of that word righteous, to be blameless, not to give people reasons to attack. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't. And again, it doesn't mean that we are, are, are going to be perfect. Paul said he himself, he believed, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. He knew. He said, you know, in Romans, he said, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't always do. The things I don't want to do, sometimes I do. But there's an accountability, there's a responsibility for how we live. Paul said... To Timothy, you know, don't, don't uh, many of you, you know, kind of strive to be teachers because you're going to be held more accountable. Don't, don't, you know, I got to be a teacher. I want to be, I want to be up there. I want to be in front. I want this. I want. No, you're going to be held more accountable, he says. One said this, that this consistent example of right living surely affected these Thessalonians. If Paul and Silas had shared the gospel, Message, but had lived carelessly, their message would have had little impact, but they preached through both their words and their lives. Someone else said, if the best sermon is a holy life, Paul was a great preacher. Not like another preacher whose eloquence was greater than his conduct. When he was in the pulpit, the people wished he would never leave it. But when he was out of it, they wished he would never enter it again. Not just when you're in the pulpit, not just when you're in the ministry, but, but your whole life. How do you do it? Paul says he, he did it according to God's grace. He did it by God's grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 
the Father, verse 11, he says, you know, we dealt with each one of you. And notice there, it's, there's, a, there's a personal aspect to, to that. He says, we dealt with each, each of you, each one of you, each personally, individuals. It's not just a group. It's not just a mass, but it's people, individual people. And we, we got to break it down. We got to be involved with people. He said, like a father who deals with his own children, like a dad to his own kids. You know, it's different when it's someone else's kids, isn't it? But when it's your own kids, you know there's this responsibility. The dad who, who brings that counsel, that wisdom, and sometimes that discipline. That doesn't mean he's always got to be mean. And again, there's a, a place for both. And we see it in the, in the last verse, verse 12 there. He says, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. That's where I get the ECU. Encouraging, comforting, and urging. All three are important. If it was just one, again, to be balanced, it's not just the, the dad being, you know, strict. It's not just the mom all being nice. It's a balance. God, of all the mixture of, of all these things, all the balance together. Encouraging. You know what? This word encourage, in my mind, it means to dispense courage. Because you know what? Courage is desperately needed in this life. Courage to, to be a believer. Courage to follow after Jesus Christ. We need courage to be that. And we need encouragement. We need courage given to each one of us. The literal translation of the word, word means to come alongside with helpful instruction and insight. Not you need. No, it's to come alongside and, and to give helpful instruction and insight. The same word that's translated uh, in the Gospel of John for the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside to encourage and help you along that path. How many of us, how many of you need someone just to come alongside you and say, we're going to make it, we're going to keep going. I'm, I'm going to come with you, and if I need to be here, I'm going to walk with you, I'm going I'm to help you. How many of you need some, someone like that? We all do, we all do. How about the comforting through trials and through failures? To come alongside with sympathy and with concern. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That comfort, it's going to be all right. Yeah, maybe, you know, it's been a, been a bad trial, but you're going to make it. You're going to get through it. And don't forget, we got heaven to look forward to. Or maybe you've blown it, or, or you've had a, uh, you know, you've made some kind of mistake, and, and and you know, but you need comfort. You need to know that you know what, it's going to be okay. And the third one, urging. Get up. You got to keep going. To urge. You to live lives worthy of God. You got to keep going. You need you need to get up. And you need you need to stop. You know, uh, wallowing in whatever it is you're wallowing in, and get up and keep moving. How many of us? I need that. You know, from time to time. You know, you know. What are you talking about? What are you doing? Get up and get going. Get moving. Enough excuses. 
The word literally means to testify. It means to speak up. It means to challenge. Now, if that's all I ever did was just challenge you and challenge you and challenge you, but never kind of dealt with, you know, the, the need for courage, the need for someone to come alongside, the need for comfort, that would be unbalanced, right? But if I only just said, you know, it's going to be okay, you can stay down there in the mud as long as you like. It's okay. Just stay muddy. No, yeah, I'll come down there with you. Let's just wallow in this for a while. For a long time, we never need to come up out of here. You see, that, to be unbalanced is not good either, but, but to have this balance where we need to, we need to do all, all of these things, encourage, comfort, and urge one another to live lives worthy of God, worthy of His name, to live for Him. I don't know about you, but, but from time to time, we have to talk to one another and say, listen, the, the kind of life that you're living is just not worthy. It's just, it's just not reflection, not a reflection of, of who you proclaim to be, of who I would say I am. If I say I'm a Christian, people are going to look for Jesus Christ because I take the name Jesus. I take the name Christ. Live a life that reflects that life, his life in us. Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received, Ephesians 4. Philippians 1, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Colossians 1. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Let's live for God. Let's live for Him because He's King, He says here. His kingdom. He's the King. Let's live like He's the King, like He's on the throne. Encourage, comfort, and urge. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, and we are, we are, wow, that's all I can say. We, that's heavy. That's big stuff. That's a lot of stuff, Lord. And I, and I uh, confess, I don't know how I could fulfill that except through the grace that you give to us, what you, what you provide, the grace and the mercy and the strength. And that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But Lord, we thank you for Paul's example. We thank you for Jesus' example. We know he was all, all of those things as well. But we pray for, for each one of us that we would live a life worthy of that gospel, worthy of, of the great king that we serve. That we would be set apart, that we would uh, live right, and be right with you and right with people, that we would uh, be above reproach, not giving ammunition to the enemy. Father, help us all I can pray. Help us, Lord. I pray for 
your people here this morning, maybe some of them are here and they need encouragement. They need someone to come alongside, Lord, and I, I pray for them. I pray, first of all, Holy Spirit, you'd come alongside them and, and be that comforter and that encourager. But I pray also as well you'd provide uh, some people, some persons, some living human beings who have the love of Jesus in them to, to walk with them, to give them courage. Maybe there's some here that need comfort who just are just so down, so beaten up, so hurting, and they need some comfort before they can even move on from that place. I pray, Lord, you'd comfort them. You are the God of all comfort, and you comfort us in our trials. I pray, God, you'd also bring someone alongside them to bring that comfort, a, a human hand to, to pat them on the back, to pray for them and with them. And some of us, probably all of us, need that urging right now, Lord, to live for you. Just the urging to get up and keep moving and keep going and not look back, but to follow you. Because one day we'll see you face to face in the glory of your kingdom. Father, help us all, Lord, I pray. And I and I also, one last prayer, Lord, for, for any here this morning who don't know you as Lord and that gospel, that good news that comes from you, any here this morning who have never believed in Jesus Christ, Lord, you know, you know our hearts, you know each one of us, you know what, what's there and what's not there. And I pray for any that might be in that place that, that this morning they could simply open their hearts and their lives to Jesus. And if that's you, you can pray. You can do that today. September 15th, 2013, here this morning or wherever you might be to hear this message. And, and you can open your life and say, Dear Jesus, I, I'm lost and I, I, need, I need help and I need hope. And I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And I receive you and I believe in you this morning here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing, shall we?